Hey Greg, welcome to the first episode of the podcast. How's things going, man? Great, thanks for having me, Claude. Yeah, so, you know, just to uh, give, uh, you know, a, our listeners a, a bit of a background on who we are. So, you know, I'm a data engineer by trade, a data engineer slash business intelligence. So that's why I love working with data so much. And that's why the podcast is focused around data, you know, and how data influences FPL. And, you know, I've seen people even in say that, you know, they they kind of don't even watch matches. They focus purely on 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 the data because, you know, watching a game is is noise, you know. And uh, from your side, I mean, the, the big news, first of all, to start off with is that you finished 93rd overall in FPL last season. So how, how, how did that happen? How, how did that come about? And what, what's, your, what's your secret or what was the magic behind it? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was my best finish, obviously, by, by, by a mile. And uh, it, was just, it was just a phenomenal season. It just every, every move I made seemed to, seemed to go right. And, uh, yeah, interestingly enough, I don't think it was necessarily the, the start that, 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 that I always imagined you had to, you know, get off to an incredible start to, to finish FPL, the FPL season well. It was just every transfer I made seemed to work out perfectly. And that just happened for, for the majority of the season. Well, yeah, interesting, uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's so uh, ironic that you mentioned that because my season started off poorly. And I think because of that over there, I started to make some reckless decisions, maybe a little bit knee jerk at times, but I started to tinker a bit too much, take a few, a few early hits, which turned into a lot of hits eventually. And you know instead of you know keeping a cool head at the time i especially the first 10 weeks the first 10 game weeks i think i i kind of lost my way over there because okay well i suppose not 93rd but you know i've been using data you know or looking at the data more deeply over the last two seasons or so you know prior to that i just played more casually rather than anything else based off gut feel, football knowledge or, or, or whatever. And, you know, obviously once I started using data, I had my my highest finish, which was 200,000, which doesn't seem like much, but I've, you know, it was definitely a big improvement for me two seasons ago. So last season I was targeting like, you know, something in the, in the top 100,000. And then let's just say it went pear-shaped and I finished around 400,000 which is kind of a, a small miracle, really, because around Game Week 20, I was still languishing, languishing outside the top one million, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and was 93 the highest place that you had, um, the highest position that you had throughout the season, or was there any point in time that you were higher than 93? I, I think I did make it into the, even in the top 50 or, or around the top, the top sort of 30s at one stage. Um, and then I, unfortunately, I, I made a big call on that triple game week uh, where it sort of I went I went against the grain massively, and I thought I don't see any of the United players playing all three games. Let me let me take a, a slightly different route, and I, I was right in one sense because I, I chose some I had a much better squad for for the fixtures, but I think that where I really missed a trick is I, I I didn't have Greenwood in my side to cover to cover one United player 
and what ended up happening is is Bruno punished me and I made it up on, on other players but I really needed I really needed the Bruno blank in, in that uh, in that triple game week and uh, unfortunately he found some some fortunate uh, sort of goals and assists um, but if, if it hadn't happened I really would have uh, you know had a chance at, uh, at, at top 10 I think and and I know we're both Liverpool fans here, so you must have been cursing Allison when he made that blunder <laughs> in that game to give yeah, Bruno a goal. <laughs> exactly. There was just I mean everything just seemed to go against me. But there were some just just some crazy things that happened. I mean I was I was sitting there. I think I, I think I tweeted out no Bruno goal, no Bruno assist about, it, and just carried on tweeting that for as many times as Twitter would allow you. And yeah, about five yeah, minutes yeah. later, he scored, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Well, there we go. <laughs> Triple game week dreams have all have all finished in tears." Yeah, I think I had the the you know I think I did double United there because I was also my my gut feel told me that they'll all play like two out of three games at the most, which I think happened because I think it was the Leicester game where they kind of went heavy on the rotation, which made sense because that was the, the 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 middle game of the three if i remember correctly but yeah and so was there ever a time where you thought look you know what you're this close and 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 you may just win the whole thing i mean that's that's everyone's dream I think it definitely <laughs> creeps up into into your thoughts but, yeah uh, yeah yeah everything has to i mean you even saw in the in the last week the guy who'd been leading for I think 15 weeks or something crazy. He was he was number one in the world, and then and in the last week, game week he went he went all the way down to I don't I think he, he I don't think he finished in the top 10. So it, it really it's it's a brutal game at times. Like you have to get it absolutely perfect to 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 win it. But you've got to you've got to just make good decisions to give yourself a chance, and that's the key. Give yourself a chance, and then and then a little bit of luck goes your way then then you then, then maybe you do it yeah exactly i mean if if you look at the 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 guy who who eventually won i mean he captained uh uh it i think is michael kuhn from ireland he he captained sadio mane i think on the last day and 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 sadio ended up scoring both the goals i mean it doesn't get much better than that for differential plus captain you know and yeah i mean that was just an inspired move yeah, really, really yeah exactly and uh now it it just shows and and i think uh you know the the, the youngster you're talking about who led for quite a while is ola hoved um, i'm sure i'm pronouncing that wrong i think he's from sweden if i'm not mistaken and I think if I remember correctly, he started playing a little bit conservative towards the end in trying to to protect his position. And I think maybe I think he didn't he resisted the urge to go on somebody like Gundo and, you know, uh, when he was in a purple patch and that kind of, you know, reeled him in a little bit, you know, and it just shows how, you know, it, it, especially when you're when you're at the top, it's just small moments that kind of you know could could end up you know making your or breaking your season so yeah that was um you know kind of uh, an, an interesting one but yeah uh, definitely looking forward to the new season and uh, yeah man it's going to be a, a hard act to top 93rd but man <laughs> we go again i think if i had to get that far or even win it i think i won't play again i i I'd probably just retire <laughs> shut down my account and leave it at that because <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like yeah you get a, get a hole in one in golf and then you just say okay that's it yeah that's, that's it that's me i'm done i've reached the <laughs> pinnacle 
I, I don't need to go any any further than this. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So um, so and uh, you know, I know that you know we've been having chats offline. So you were a po- professional poker player. Now that's an interesting one, right? Uh, I mean, that's the type of thing, you know, when when people, you know, that's like a, a dream career, right? You know, a professional <laughs> poker player. That's that that's like stuff out of movies, you know. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, so so how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was studying at varsity and I was I was doing the, the bachelor of accountancy. I'm going to do a CA, etc., etc. The whole the whole plan laid out for me, and uh, I think it was in about third or fourth year that I discovered poker and uh, started playing online. And yeah, I just I mean, I just it's just a game that I just had a, a sort of a natural affinity for and just really enjoyed it and. Suddenly, when I was uh, earning significant amounts of poker before I'd even uh, started working, and and saw that it was it was much better than what I could do uh, working, it just it became my focus. And I think for probably nine or ten years, I ended up playing playing professionally and traveling the world and playing in the World Series in Vegas and uh, tournaments like the Aussie Millions in in, in uh, Melbourne and all over Europe and Africa and and just played tournaments and cash games wherever I could find them. Wow, that, that, that is that, that is quite the story. Yeah? So in, you, you traded in becoming a CA, going and doing your articles and things like that for poker. That, that is quite a, the, a, a contrasting change. Yeah, you know? to, to the great yeah. dismay of my, my parents until, <laughs> until I managed to win my first poker tournament and then they started to come around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's always like that. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, yeah, and uh, so you're still playing poker at the moment, or? Yeah, I, st- I still play now, but more more as a hobby than anything else. Um, I got I got into trading, which is just basically another form of poker, um, probably about five or six years ago. And yeah, now I'm a full-time trader. So uh, I work for a company called K on Capital, and we we have a license with the with the JSC and the FSCA. And I spend my time trading and uh, managing a, a, a strategy that I've developed uh, on the asset management side. And yeah, sort of poker sort of takes a, a backseat to, to weekends and the odd trip here and there. Oh, awesome. So you, you know, you into meme strong, so just the, you know, legitimate <laughs> stuff, you know, something you can back yeah. up. I, I try to stay away from the meme stuff, but uh, you know it's it's carnage out there with, with Bitcoin and meme stocks, and uh, yeah. the market's just gone absolutely wild. And uh, you know, pretty much since since COVID hit, uh, it's it's really been it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, you know, if it's like you know, if 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 I wanted to be a, a millionaire, I just start off as a billionaire and then trade crypto, and then I'm sure I'll be a millionaire soon. <laughs> exactly. At some point in time, yeah. Ah, that, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, let's, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting on to this season's FPL. So, you know, the the whole, uh, po- you know, point of this episode will be, you know, geared around building, you know, a kick-ass game, wi- game week one team. You know, you I suppose from next week onwards, we'll be doing a review of the the previous game week and then we'll... And then we'll preview the, the the upcoming game week and so on. But obviously now we don't have any previews to work with. And uh, so yeah, the the one thing that you know um, that always seems to 
I suppose create buzz, but also uh, to a certain extent, maybe becomes a bit of a contentious issue is the pricing of players. Is there any pricing that surprised you specifically this season? I think uh, I think the pricing was was relatively good. Um, I think I think they could have gone a little bit cheaper with Mane just to make it make your Salamane decision a little bit tougher. Because I think with Mane at 12 million, you just it's just a no-brainer that you that you have to go for Salah. With, I mean, he's a guy who's just I mean he crashed it last season and uh, he's on penalties. And we all know with VAR, it's always better to have a, a penalty taker in your yeah, team than, yeah. than not. Um, so I think if he was around 11 million or less, I think it would be you'd see a lot more drafts with with uh, Sadio Mane in it. Um, otherwise, I think it was it's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I think I felt the same about maybe Sterling as well. I think that he could have been priced around. I think if, if Sterling and Mane had been priced about 10.5, that would have really given us something to, to think about, you know, that having that extra 1.5, it, it would have made them it would have made them a much better alternative or, or a much more interesting alternative to Salah or Kevin De Bruyne or someone like that. But yeah, I think I agree with you in that pricing over there. <clears throat> I think it, 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 it made them almost I won't call them unselectable, but very unattractive options going into the season, you know. And uh, the one team that kind of always gets me when it comes to the pricing is Leicester. You know, I I kind of, you know, uh, looked at the, the prices and I thought, okay, Vardy just seems too expensive. Yeah, Nacho, yeah, at, at 7.5 is not too bad, but you just never know whether he went to the purple list of purple patches or whether he's going to actually play and things like that over there. And then they've got a few seven, you know, seven million midfielders. But obviously, everybody looked at Fofana and said, okay, 4.5 million. Do you think that he warranted a price drop uh, going into the season? Well, I mean, I mean, he's he's now injured, which which also just sort of makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people checking the injury uh, updates sort of closer to the deadline on on Friday. But for me, it actually presents a better option for for Marty, who's only four point million, uh, four point zero million, and um, you know, he I, I've got him in my draft now. He he played the the Community Shield. And it looks like he, he might be a starter. And so with Fofana at 4.5, I think Fofana was a, a decent option. I, th- I still felt he was probably a little bit little bit expensive. Um, he's got you know he's got no attacking potential, and, and potentially when when players like Justin come back, you're not you're not sure if he's gonna you know I don't think he's gonna maintain a starting position. So I think I think if he'd been at four, it also would have made things a little bit more interesting. But uh, for me, I've definitely gone with Amati, and I think, uh, you know, Inacho I had in my draft for ages, and then, you know, it, it just seems like there's a big rotation question mark against his name now, which, which also gives, you know, more, more headaches for, for us managers. And I think going into the game week one, that's one of the biggest things that you want to avoid, is, is anyone who's potentially a rotation risk. And so I, I've taken him out of my drafts. Um, you know, he didn't play Community Shield, and it looks like he's not a guaranteed starter with Barnes back. And uh, Barnes actually, I think, might be the most value in the, in the Leicester team at, at seven million. I think his stats were phenomenal last uh, last season. I think he was in my starting game week one last season as well. 
and then he got injured and uh, he didn't play the majority of the season and that's where sort of Iheanacho came in and filled up uh, filled up that spot. So for me, I think Barnes is definitely, Barnes and Amati, for, if you're looking at Leicester, Leicester players, offer the most value. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And, you know, it looks like, you know, it, it looked like I, I chose Leicester at random, but I felt like last season they, they, it's almost like many, especially the defenders were kind of priced out. You know, you got Schmeichel who was about 5 or 5.5 and then a few of the defenders as well, you know. And I, I just always felt like there were, there were just so much more better options out there. And when I saw the, the Fofana prize, I wasn't actually quite surprised that he suffered the drop, even though he became a regular starter towards the ending of the season, because I felt that was a way of FPL giving us, a, tempting us into a Leicester option, because otherwise it's just a whole lot of players, especially defenders with very low ceilings and not even that much great clean sheet potential either, you know, so... Yeah. I, I think your big problem yeah. with Fofana is, is just yeah. the lack of attacking potential. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right, yeah. And that's something, you, you know, you always want to try and pick a, a defender that, that has some attacking potential. Um, and that's... And, and even at 4.5, you start to question, is, is that enough value? You know, is he going to keep playing... And, and all these all these question marks start popping up, and yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's maybe maybe not the right pick for your for your squad. Yeah, sure, de- definitely. And uh, so yeah, now going into the, the the next part is actually building this game week one team. You know, there's always so many questions that we ask ourselves. There's the guessing, the second guessing, the overthinking. You know. <laughs> So, you know, is, are there any specific data points that you look at specifically to say, okay, you know what, when I'm building my game week one team, these are the things I'm going to look out for? Because, you know, naturally, we, okay, you can use expected data, but obviously then, you know, at this point in time, we don't have any expected data to work with unless we use last season's data. And then obviously fixtures play a big part in it. And we also don't have any form to work with, so it, you know it may. So because of all of that, they it it really does you know give you a lot to think about. So what is it that you look at to say, okay, when I'm building a game week one team, this these are the the the, the key components, and this is the data that I'm looking at. I think a big lesson I learned last season. Uh, and I, it's amazing how much you do learn when you when you when you have sort of like what they would call a deep run in a poker tournament. It's, it's sort of a, a really good finish. Um, I learned that having having one really good player from every team is is sort of what you want. You you want to, you want to look at the teams, the best the teams with the best fixtures, and you want to try and pick the. I mean, at the beginning of last season, it was almost like you were just picking the penalty takers, but you want to be picking the best player that you can fit into your squad um, from each one of those teams. And, and then almost treat your, your defenders and goalkeeper as a separate team to your, to your midfielders and forwards. So you've almost got your defense and your offense. And just try and have the one player from every team that, that's really going to create something or, or get clean sheets or score goals. Um, and then piece your team together like that. And, and I think a big mistake a lot of people make is, is trying to fit too many of the, of the top uh, players from the top teams into your side. 
and, and it works well for one or two weeks but you, you find very quickly that when the fixtures when they start you know teams start playing each other or the fixtures maybe get a little bit tougher or even if a case where a really good team blanks against a really bad team if you've got if, you, if you've got your team full of those players it really hurts you so i think in terms of a looking looking at a, a more long-term uh, strategy and, and a more plus ev strategy is to just pick the best player you can and, and try and have one a maximum of one in either your def defense or offense uh, from from each team and that's that's a big thing i did last season and it really really helped me because when sides blanked i wasn't really hurt and and i often had players from from teams that were just like the, the talisman of that team that brought through massive points when you know when, when all the big teams blanked there would be a you know i might have had a guy like zaha from crystal palace who who had an amazing week or you know some of these guys that you, you're just picking the best player according to the fixtures and uh, often that'll save your game week you can have a game week where you know it's a very low scoring game week and just having one or two players really perform that, that no one else has really thought about can make all the difference so are you saying that you essentially target the talisman of specific teams when you're choosing like the attacking player from that so you mentioned like Azar and so on so unless you're trying to go differential maybe with like a Greenwood or, or someone like that if, if you're not going to opt for someone like Bruno yeah exactly I mean what, what you try and do is you know I've built a, a fixture rating for for attack and defense and so that I can look at the fixtures and say rate the teams and then I, I literally what I do is I, I sit and I say okay with the attacking fixtures who's you know if I look at my ratings Liverpool's for the first six game weeks is the best attacking team okay and that's just an easy decision I want Salah on my team so Salah is is, is is locked in then I look at the next one City City are second on the list who, do, who can I pick from City and that becomes a bit tougher because now you've got to think of rotation you know Pep Roulette I've got to try and find someone who potentially can, can be a nailed on starter and you know Mahrez maybe is, is the guy to look for there but I think other than him it's, it's very difficult so maybe then you skip to, to the third on the list and, and you just keep going down the list and you keep finding and you sort of make a note of all the guys that you'd like to have in your squad and then obviously with the budget constraints you can't have all the best ones you can't you can't have everyone and you know Bruno's Bruno's an interesting one this this season because you know his stats are phenomenal and if if budgets wasn't wasn't a, if there were no budget constraints Bruno would be second pick in my team probably behind uh, behind Mo Salah but you've also got to think now 12 million yeah, um, when players are that expensive, you have to be captaining them to to really make sure that you know they they're reaching their full potential. And you know, I, I've had a look at the fixtures, and I, I went from from never, you know, Bruno was in every single one of my my drafts, probably for since the game opened until until last week. And now I'm sort of starting to think like, is is he a guy that I can afford? Because it affects your squad depth so much having him and Salah. And and Alexander Arnold and you, you know you've got all these expensive players that you, that you want in. If I'm not captaining Bruno in the in the first six weeks, maybe maybe my squad will perform better without him. And and so I start building drafts without Bruno. And, and I've seen a lot of you know there's been a lot of talk on Twitter with these Bruno drafts. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I think yeah. it's it's a really interesting one this season because I think uh, I think you are going to see a lot of people go without Bruno to start. And then it's and then you've got to make sure that your squad is 
has phenomenal depth to be able to cover that because you know I learned my lesson last season Bruno can hurt you but at the same time there was a period of probably nine game weeks last last season where I didn't have him and it just happened to be the perfect time to get rid of him from from my squad and you know and, and because of that I think that that really propelled me into the top hundred so it's it's a tough one you know, you, you can do really well with, uh, having a, a balanced squad without him but if he, if he shoots the lights out in the first six weeks, you're going to look like a complete fool for not having him in your, in your squad. So it, it all comes down to balance. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the difficulty of that as well is that, you know, at the moment, Bruno is so highly owned. I mean, if you look at his ownership at the moment, it's 47.7. I think he's the third highest owned player in the game after Luke Shaw and Mo Salah. So... If he if he does return big, not it it will be a massive punishment. You'll see a, a a big big drop in in rankings, you know. But uh, so 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 at the moment, you know, I'm also kind of torn between do I do do I keep Bruno in my team or do you know the 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 issue is like players like Greenwood and Sancho. They just don't convince me at the moment because I'm not convinced that they will start regularly. And that, or, or, that's the big problem, I think, as well. Yeah. Is that if you, if you knew that Greenwood was going to start, and I mean, Rashford's injured, and you're still worried like, is Greenwood going to play? I think he'll play game week one, but is he going to play game week two or three? Uh, and you don't want those. You don't want to be using up your transfers on replacing Greenwood because he's not starting or. You know, and, and then Greenwood just to, let's say, Jordan Sancho, you've got to find two million somewhere. So Yeah, that's go, right. Or yeah. go back to Bruno, now you've got a huge headache. So it's very, very difficult. Um, again, I, you know, I replaced, <laughs> I replaced uh, uh, Bruno with, with Greenwood. And then, and then after thinking about it, I was like, when I get to game week three or four, if, if Greenwood's not playing, I've got a massive problem here. I, you know, I've got to now try and reshuffle my team and find someone to replace him. So it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, I think if you don't go Bruno, I think you, you, it's it's very difficult to find another United player that you that, that you can put in in his place. And then you've got a huge gaping hole that that, that is Manchester United with with excellent fixtures to start the first six game weeks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, it, it's just that the price point makes it so difficult. It's it's not like I think Sancho's price point is ideal in the sense that okay, from nine million or nine point five million, you can move sideways, you can move downwards. But uh, like uh, with Bruno, it's so flexible because you can easily free up two, three million if you if you move downwards, and then you you know you have some some money in the bank. But yeah, that's that's a tough one, and uh, you know I think my issue last season is that I tried to go a little bit different to too fancy at the beginning, you know, and I think it was was a little bit unnecessary. So I'm thinking that now I'm not going to overthink it too much. I'm just going to go with Salah and Bruno for the first few game weeks. I mean. And like you say, the the fixtures are so good, and we know that Bruno will play, so there's no issues over there. And I'll, and I'll just review it after that over there. But I think at this moment in time, you know, I, I've toyed with the idea of going with with Mahrez and Son as as options instead as well, you know, to 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 replace Bruno. But I think every draft comes back, you know, where I just it just doesn't sit right. Like you're saying, I don't want to have to be fixing my team two or three game weeks in, I've kind of looked at the first 
six or seven game weeks and i said okay you know what i'm i'm going to to build a team for for those game weeks over there because that was my other issue last season it's like i kind of booked in too many transfers early on and uh, and, and and that became a massive problem for me because i think i was too fixated on the idea of wanting to get city and united players in early on and they were blanking in uh, in in game week 1 as well and i just kind of uh, you know because of that then and these predetermined ideas yeah it 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 just made such a mess of my team so right now i i haven't even looked like i know a lot of people are saying okay let's do villa players in in from game weeks 1 2 and 3 and then switch them out in game week 4 even though i have seen things like the, that over there i'm trying not to think about it too much because if need be like i wouldn't mind holding on to villa player for like another week maybe you know if if need be if i need to do something else in 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 my squad you know so uh yeah, yeah i'm tr- i'm trying not to yeah i think that's the biggest trap that that players the fpl players fall into is is planning transfers from from game week one you know i can make this transfer for game week two i can make this transfer for game week three and and really the biggest tip i can i can give anyone out there is don't plan any transfers try and try and fit a team for as long as you can without any transfers because there's going to be so much that happens we've got two international breaks in the first seven weeks we've got players are going to get injured they're going to be transfers you know guy like Lukaku can be coming into Chelsea you want to start gearing up to put him in your team yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. um there's just a world of things that can happen in those in those first game weeks i mean and look at robertson's just got injured now as well exactly. so, so you know yeah the, 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 at least in this case you know unfortunate for for robertson but fortunately for for fpl uh, managers we were able to react to it before the season starts for those pe- people who were planning on having robertson or see a lot of drafts where they're doubling up on 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 robertson and alexander arnold which i'm not a fan of doing so early in the season as well and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the one thing that you mentioned that was interesting interesting for me is that you know you've built your own fixture ticker which i think is awesome because based on the 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 official FPL one you know the Manchester City and and Liverpool's fixtures against Chelsea Manchester City and West Ham have the same ratings of 4 which makes no sense to me you know <laughs> uh, so tell me what, what you know what so what's different about your fixture ticker what is the data driving it to in order for you to determine you know what obviously from what you've said you you split it up between attacking and defensive fixtures and i know the likes of fantasy football hub and fantasy football scout have done similar so uh, and obviously i don't know what drive what data drives their models but uh, yeah in 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 yours uh, what is it that you're looking at specifically yeah so i think that's the big thing is you look at the fpl one and you know it doesn't split attack and defense so it's not it's not particularly useful when it comes to to picking picking your squad and planning your fixtures um so i i had a look at uh, you know how do i build a model that's 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 going to work and that's going to adapt as well during the season uh, and i started off using the expected uh, goals and expected goals conceded and, and and doing the model like that um but the problem you have is that squads change quite rapidly um you know different managers 
uh, that can influence whether a team concedes goals or scores goals. Yeah, uh, that, that's exactly it. You know, you just mentioned that now and it's like from season to season, you know, like you say, squad changes, squads change. And that's why, like, sometimes I'm so reluctant to use expected data from last season to pick this season squad, you know, yeah, so. And, it's, and where yeah. it becomes very difficult is your promoter teams, because how do you how do you allocate values to those promoter teams? You can't use their championship data because then they'd be. You know they'd be rated to the top and yeah to yeah it's a step league. up in quality and, as well so exactly yeah. and you can't necessarily give them the you know just just sort of blindly swap them with the, with the guys that got relegated because you're not really you're not really giving them a fair reflection of what they can do you know a team like leeds when they were promoted were were exceptional attacking team so it's very difficult to you know i built that model and i just wasn't happy with it it didn't it, it, there were too many holes in, in sort of how in, in in the results that were coming out of it, and um, yeah, so I was struggling with it for a while, and then I I found uh, data from uh, Nate Nate Silver's website, uh, Five Thirty Eight, and uh, he's the guy who predicts or tries to predict the the U.S. elections every year, and, and does it with an incredible uh, well not every year every four years. And does it with incredible accuracy and uh, they do the same for for soccer teams and they you know they give each to each team a sort of a quality rating and then you know an, an offensive and a defensive rating and the nice thing about their rating system is that it's every team um, rated as if they were playing uh, the average team at a neutral venue and what that allows you to do is when you're building a model it allows you to have a baseline that everyone's compared against even the sides that are you know championship teams basically any team playing any team you, you can compare the two and the only thing you need to adjust for is obviously because it's calculated at a neutral venue you just need to do some some sort of expected uh, goals and expected goals conceded adjustment for home and away fixtures and that's pretty easy to do you can just look up you know past season data um, but it gives you it gives you a nice um, sort of solid platform to to rate teams against each other and what teams are going to score and what teams are going to concede and the best part about it is that it, it works on a system similar to chess um, you know chess's rating system every time you, you play another player you either gain points or, or lose points um, and then obviously the, the the easier the game was for for the higher rated uh, player or team the less points they gain and the, and the tougher the fixture was the, the more points you gain so if, if you take that rating system and it's something that will adapt early on in the season and every single game that's played that rating system adapts so if you if one of these promoted teams or even one of the teams that's in the Premier League suddenly show a massive improvement or a massive decline that's going to immediately start reflecting in, in, in the ratings uh, and so it's dynamic it's not something that's going to just be on last season's data and then how much weighting do you give to last season's data and how much weighting do you give to the previous season before that um it, it, you know it's something that's, that's going to rapidly update you and give you and give you the correct information oh that's so, yeah, amazing I put that, yeah i'll yeah. put that all together and and yeah the, the nice thing is once you once you also include the the quality differential between teams you know if you've got man city playing against brentford there's a there's a huge quality differential uh, in those ratings and you, and you can use that aspect as well just to, to, to give an additional boost to, to the, the fixture ratings uh, and then start targeting fixtures where you can really see where the big teams are playing the weaker teams uh, and so on and, and really really happy with the results that, that I got from it. 
Uh, that's a statistical modeling masterclass you've just given <laughs> us over there. Uh, th- that's awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, so much of data going into it. And like you said, also, you know, you've answered my question in terms of uh, essentially canceling out, you know, the, 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 the possibility of having a a massive outlying season or like especially last season it, it you know the stats was all over the place we saw a a drop in the output from manchester city we've seen liverpool's defense was quite poor you know well obviously we understand the the, the underlying factors you know behind it but it when you're looking at data you don't always see those things you know and uh, when, when you're looking at statistics so yeah, it's nice to see that it's a model that's also, you know, uh, like you say, dynamic and, and going forward, it'll just adjust as you go along. So, wow, that, 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 that's amazing. So just, just briefly, like uh, in terms of attacking fixtures, what's your to- what is the, the, the top five teams at the moment uh, in the, based on your fixture, your fixture predictions? Um, so, so when it comes to it, the the first six game weeks, uh, Liverpool are, are and Man City are by far number one and two. Um, you've got Man United in currently in third. Uh, interestingly enough, Chelsea in fourth. So even with with the sort of relatively quite difficult tough fixtures, fixtures, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think largely due to the to the Crystal Palace at home in in, in the first fixture, and, uh, and they've also got Aston Villa at home in game week four. Um, so those are both rated as very good fixtures, um, and they've also got, and then they've got Arsenal, Liverpool away, which are rated as, as poor fixtures, and Spurs and City, um, City at home is rated an average fixture um, when it comes to the entire league. So they're rated in four, which I find quite quite surprising because their fixtures definitely from game week seven. Almost, uh, you almost must have Chelsea players from game week seven. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. There's a massive fixture swing. I mean, I've seen a lot of noises, especially if you look at social media as well, of people planning their wild card around game week seven. So oh, after game week seven, so that's quite exactly. interesting as well. A, yeah, there's an international break, I think, after there as well. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fixture swing and yeah, and then I've got uh, West Ham in, in at, at fifth and Arsenal at sixth. So. I think those are your big attacking teams for the first uh, for the first six game weeks. Um, some interesting ones were um, Leeds were all, all the way down in ninth. Um, Leicester were only in tenth, and uh, Everton eleventh. So yeah, you have to start being a little bit careful about uh, when to bring in sort of the, the cheaper midfielders and, and forwards from from those teams, I think, as well. It's funny you mentioned that because initially when, when the first draft started going out, people were really, really keen on Everton players. I saw Calvert-Lewin in a lot of drafts. Uh, Luca Dean was, was another one in a lot of drafts. And uh, yeah, But if you look at it uh, at face value as well, you think, okay, I can't remember their fixtures now, but even I initially thought, wow, those were, those are actually quite decent fixtures to maybe even possibly double up on Everton assets. So when you're talking yeah. about them being all the way down, essentially middling, that's quite an interesting one. Uh, I never thought it about that. Because, yeah. because I also I looked at Everton initially and, and their fixtures looked amazing. And, I, and this is where I think... Um, Looking at the statistics can help you versus the versus sort of a blind like you're just the normal eye test of oh those fixtures look really good yeah um, yeah because I think Everton's fixtures attacking wise 
I thought looked great and think, I thought defensive, defensively also looked amazing. Um, but my model shows Everton down at ninth defensively. So when you start to look at a, a player like Dinya, um, who, who screams, everyone's sort of screaming, gotta have the, he's, he's a must have. Um, when, when they're ninth on the, on the ratings for clean sheets and you know, only 11th for, for attacking, it starts to become, you start to question that and, and maybe say, okay, but there, there might be better options in, in other places. Yeah, and Everton's record, especially in defensive, defensively last season, wasn't that great either. They, I think they, were, they, they only kept like, what, eight or nine clean sheets all season, if I'm not mistaken. And they were also uh, prone to conceding from uh, set pieces, if I remember, especially from corners. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, and when, yeah, you're these, so. when you're playing the lower teams, that's that's where they tend to score is the, is the set pieces as well. So, yeah, I think that that was an interesting one for me. I, you know, that that's definitely kept me away from Everton players um, to start off with. And I think they also their fixtures you know, they, they don't really get better as 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 it goes on. Um, and the other one for me would definitely avoid was you know Leicester defence. Everyone is jumping on the Leicester, uh, sorry, not the Leicester, the Leeds defence. Yeah, um, yeah. Everyone seems to be jumping on, on the Leeds defence bandwagon. And, and they're down in 16th for me. Um, I think their fixtures do dramatically improve, though, from the Leeds side. But for the first six game weeks, uh, I would be very, very worried about having, having a Leeds defender in my team. And even with you know some sort of rotation pairing, I think uh, I think I'd way way prefer having an Arsenal defense uh, defender, for instance, because from game week four, um, their fixtures. Uh, I think from game week four, they actually go up to to second in in defensive ranking. Defensive ranking. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm I'm also considering Arsenal as well because when I look at it, they've got Brentford first up, and then they've got Chelsea and City, and I think you can always get around those those two fixtures if you've got a good rotation option. But if you look at it from game week four on with Norwich, Burnley, Spurs, okay, that's not, not such a great one. But then it's Brighton, Crystal Palace, and then Villa in game week nine. So if you look at that run as well, it's actually quite a a good run for, for, for defensive options for Arsenal. And just to touch on, on every, you know, everything quickly, you know, you know, you, you, you mentioned something interesting about uh, when you're playing weaker teams and, 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 uh, and those teams tend to score a lot from set pieces. I'm looking at their fixtures. You know, Southampton is first up. They have some uh, a set piece special threat in Vestergaard. And then you're looking at game week three. Brighton have Dunk. Uh, four, but game week four, it's Burnley with Ben Mee and Tarkovsky. Villa, you could have something like Mings and, and so on. So actually, those first four or five game weeks, actually, yeah, in terms of set-piece threat, there's actually quite a bit that they could possibly concede from as well. Mm. And, and a new manager. So they could be playing a new formation. Yeah. They could you know, not necessarily be that settled. And I think there, there's been a lot of unrest in the, in the Everton camp recently. So yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, I think for me, it's just an avoid to start off with. Yeah, we, I mean, we were talking about it offline as well, about, you know, with, 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 you know, with, uh, with Rafa Benitez there as, as manager now. I wonder what the, the you know, th- that was something that actually put me off rather than the fixtures or stats or anything else. If you have a toxic nature, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
in uh, you know in a toxic atmosphere in in your in 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 the stadium or whatever that could really affect the team as well and that was something you know one of the reasons why i was keen to avoid everton you know from from the beginning you know so uh, yeah and uh, from and uh, from a perspective of defensive fixtures who's who's up your list over there <laughs> So defensively, we've also got Liverpool at the top. I think their fixtures to start off with just just are phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, City are second, uh, but a, good luck again with Pep Roulette. I think uh, you know you've got probably Diaz as your as your most nailed on guy when it comes to City, but you're gonna pay six billion for someone with with relatively low attacking uh, stats. It's it's gonna get quite expensive. Um, United are in third, and I think I think Luke Shaw just picks himself. I think that's you know you've got I think you've got Trent for Liverpool, Shaw for United, and uh, and that's two spots that are just easily locked up in your team. Um, in fourth place is Brighton, um, and I think Brighton do have a good start. And I think defensively, you know from game week two onwards, especially they they extremely strong uh, from from a defensive uh, fixture perspective. Interesting that you mentioned Brighton over there because you know sorry to, to interrupt you, man, but it's it's an interesting one because a lot of people are you know it looks like Sanchez is part of the template now, right? And rightfully so. I mean, at four point five, I think he was quite well priced, and and he definitely does offer a great option. But there also has to be the now when in terms of doubling up on. On let's say if you want to consider someone like Lamptey or Dunk, well we know that Lamptey is injured injured now. Do you still go with the the possibility of now? I know like you said your style of play is to try and not double up in defense or an attack on a specific team, but I've seen a lot of drafts go with Sanchez in goal and Lamptey as a four point five million rotation option. And initially, I had that in my in one of my early drafts. It could have been my first draft, but over the last week, or last few days, I've decided to go with Dunk as my as my defensive option, and then switch to Watford goalkeeper and Bachman because at four point five, for for various reasons, which, which I'll get into just now. But Dunk specifically because he offers a set piece threat and he has a little bit of a higher ceiling and he tends to be a bonus points magnet compared to especially if Brighton keep a clean sheet. It seems that Dunk is always in the bonus points. So what do you make of the double up specifically on 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 Brighton defenders? I, I think I, I sort of don't consider a full double up if if it's your goalkeeper and a defender. Um, I, I would still try and avoid it if possible, but. I'm, I'm, you know, if, for instance, if Lamptey was fit, I think he would certainly be an option with with a guy like Sanchez, because um, because of just purely because of his attacking threat. Um, and the nice thing is, if your clean sheet is wiped out, the you know, goalkeeper still have save points. And although Sanchez is not not the biggest uh, sort of uh, doesn't yeah, make great he, he, save he doesn't make a lot of saves. Yeah, 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 they don't concede a lot of chances. But you know, it, I think it's less of an issue when it's your goalkeeper. I definitely wouldn't do it when it comes to 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 pure defenders um unless there's unless there's a massive reason like value reason you know you've got like a simicus at four million then maybe it's just a, a little bit too too good to 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 turn down yeah to turn yeah. down but um i would uh, you know personally i think I've, I've just gone with sanchez i haven't gone with any of the other defenders just because of the injury concerns um 
And so, uh, yeah, I think I think just picking one is, is usually best if you can. Yeah, and um, I'll tell you why as well. Part of my thinking was exactly around that day where I said, okay, I like Dunk as a defensive option from Brighton, but then I'm not keen on, on doubling up on him and Sanchez because of the low ceiling. Um, but And then I thought, okay, and maybe it's a case of overthinking it, but I decided to go with Daniel Bachman from, from, from Watford for the, for the very same reason and like you say okay maybe it's not comparing apples with apples here because now we're taking players out of the championship and putting them in the premier league but they did have the best record in the in the championship last season mm. and they do Basically have the great, yeah. yes think, uh, he's, yeah. he's my for sure my number number two uh, goalkeeper choice i think watford interestingly enough and this is where I think the difference between a pure XG model and uh, and the model I've built comes in. Watford are actually ranked 11th for the first six game weeks defensively. So bringing in bringing in uh, Buckman at 4.5, I think is by far the best uh, best second choice keeper in terms of value. So uh, yeah, it's yeah, a good decision. Yeah. And uh, and and I'll tell you why like why I liked him is because I'm looking at the fixtures right. They've got Villa who who have a lot of attacking threat. And uh, it, there's a potential for, for for save points over there. Then next up, they play Brighton. Maybe not so much. But then after it's Spurs, Game Week 3. But Game Weeks 4, 5, and 6, you have Wolves, Norwich, Newcastle. Yeah. Again, we know... Yeah, you know, so so that's uh, maybe more potential for clean sheets and less potential for saves. But... Uh, I just looked at it and I thought, wow, it, it, it just seems, you know, it, it, especially with, with players like that, you think, okay, if they do keep a clean sheet, it's very highly unlikely, very likely that he gets bonus points and possibly from save points as well. So I decided to kind of minimize my risk over there by, by going to for Bachman. And actually, my reserve goalkeeper is Foster. So if they do rotate by any chance, you know, they, they you know, I'm covered uh, in terms of uh, having a backup. But then, and then that covers me for, for, for Dunk because I really wanted a Brighton, de- Brighton defender in my team as well. So yeah, that, that, that's an interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I've been, you know, initially I thought, wow, well, maybe this is just classic overthinking. But the more I looked at it, the more I talked myself in, into it, you know. So uh, interesting that you say that they're around 11th over there, which uh, I must say, I, I, looking at the, the, the fixtures at face value, yeah, it, it makes sense. It, it It's just, yes, you do have Villa and Spurs in there and maybe Leeds in game week seven. But the rest of it, I can definitely see maybe possible no-nils in there as well. So, yeah, uh, they, they definitely worth uh, and I suppose with with the rest of the Watford defenders, we really don't know enough about them. But keeper, you know, goalkeeper is one of the safest places to choose a, a nailed-on player. You know, so um, yeah, I decided to 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 go with with with, with the Watford keepers as well. So yeah, man, uh, some some interesting stuff that you've brought up there so far. And uh, you know, we've been talking about this attacking and defensive fixtures and so on, but it will be. You know, for, for the sake of our listeners, especially the, the people who are new to FPL, I just want to run people through that quickly, you know. Um, you know, you, you you get some some teams which are weak defensively, but good attacking-wise. Think of Leeds last season who were the, who were the league's entertainers. 
you know they they always look good for goals regardless of the opposition so whether they were playing against manchester city or liverpool or or chelsea or ever they always looked like they were they like they were they they could score so even if you had attacking players in your team going into the fixtures there was nothing wrong with keeping them in your team you know you didn't need to bench them or whatever because because they 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 were just scoring against everyone the flip side of it is that they were they 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 concede a lot of chances and concede a lot of goals if you think of the manchester united fixture uh, last season where it finished like 6-2 if i remember correctly so if you had attacking players from both those teams you could have cashed in big time but if you had defensive players from leeds and defensive players from manchester united then it's not so good because you want to get minus points for goals conceded on both sides it so so if you look at fpl it's not necessarily about the result it's about picking the the players for specific positions based on attacking or defensive potential so if you're playing like we we mentioned brighton as being a very good defensive team because attacking wise these they they're the xg kings they create great chances but they just don't finish them off but they don't they concede very few goals and also low quality of goals as well which is why brighton are so good especially early on or have such a good run of fixtures early on so that's how you go about picking your teams it, you you don't need to necessarily look at the at the fixture and say okay well you know leeds versus manchester united oh, manchester united are favorites to win that so i'm not going to pick leeds players no it doesn't necessarily work that way fpl doesn't work that way you can you can look back to you know when when liverpool got thumped by aston villa last season which i still don't know how that happened but <laughs> salah scored twice for liverpool in that game if you had salah and you captained him you you still had a double digit return from salah doesn't matter the result and i think that's something that that people need to start understanding or getting through and i think a, a lot of, especially new players uh, you know they 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 look at the fixture and you know and they look at who's the favorite and they try to avoid players from those teams but fpl it actually doesn't matter it's about just looking at the fix, the 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 fix the fixture difficulties from a defensive and attacking perspective and asking you, yourself the question do you think that a player is capable of getting returns in that fixture and that is why we we we, we focus so much on the attacking and the defensive side so to wrap up this part here about attacking and defensive fixtures just quickly which are the best teams to select from who have good attacking and defensive fixtures we know that liverpool is number 1 in that aspect who who are the rest of them yeah so liverpool definitely number 1 um city are up there but it's very difficult to find city players yeah, that are yeah. held on united i think as well um united you if if both defensively and attacking very very good and the other one is chelsea chelsea round out the the defensive ratings in fifth so even though they've got some incredibly tough fixtures in those first six game weeks um you, you need to keep them and think at least in the back of your mind um i think by game week 7 they are by far the best defensive team um and they're going to be up there in the attacking ratings too so we i think use that first six game weeks for sure to see what what's happening in that chelsea team who's nailed on uh, does lukaku get transferred to to the team for instance um and then to to definitely have a plan to bring players in 
buy game week seven at the latest. And hopefully it doesn't have a price rise by then. Because, <laughs> exactly. yeah, especially with Lukaku, I'm talking about specifically, because it looks like everybody will jump on him yeah, after a little bit more. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. And then obviously there's the, the you know, uh, Kane going to, um, if he goes to City, you know, I'd, I'd still back him to play at least 75% of games. So at least three three out of four games, which I think is is good enough. You know, when you talk about Pep Roulette, I think, you know, there, there are those players like Mahrez and Foden and so on, where you just don't know, especially Sterling. But I think there's like Kevin De Bruyne and, and, and Kane and so on, where you feel like for the most part, they will play the majority of games. So I'm not too worried about those I specifically. Think if, yeah. I think if Kane goes to City, I think I think he'll be pretty nailed on. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're struggling and they don't really have a an out-and-out, uh, you know, first-choice striker. Um, Pep's sort of been playing Torres and uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, some of the times. But, you know, it, it's difficult. I think if Kane goes there, I think you do have a nailed-on starter, but you've got another player of 12, 12.5 that you've, that you've got to fit into your squad somehow, which, which makes it very difficult. Um, so, uh, yeah, you've got to... I mean, I think if, if that happens... You know, sort of once the game is underway, I think there might be a few wild cards uh, used to 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 restructure teams. Um, but we just have to wait and see at this stage. It doesn't. It looks like it's still very much up in the air. Well, I'll just try and pack my team up with as many four million defenders as possible, so I can have <laughs> Salah, Fernandez, and uh, Kane in my team <laughs> somehow. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, so uh yeah i suppose so much could i mean just a week ago it it felt like you know the decisions were so much more easier easier it's like you know you you everybody was going to go with two premiums essentially either salah bruno salah kane and now all of a sudden with lukaku getting thrown in it it's just now you know added another dimension with the game which i think is actually quite exciting it 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 could maybe allow people to break away from the template and be a little bit more adventurous in the gameplay as well and uh, so I'm actually looking forward to that. And also the other players that I'm keeping a lookout for is the likes of Tammy Abraham, if he moves to Arsenal, possibly, or, um, you know, at 6.5 million, he, he he could be a great option as well. You know, a great budget option, considering that, uh, you know, Ivan Tony is at 6.5 million as well. Yeah, so, if, yeah, if, he, if he's at Arsenal and he's a he's a regular starter, I think that'll that'll be a no brainer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think he could easily be seven or seven point five million if yeah. you know, because, you know, his price will rise so quickly. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we've spoken about a lot of XGs and XAs or whatever. Just a quick one. So if you are building like obviously you can never look at at a specific st- statistic in isolation you know you've got to consider a few other factors as well okay so if you're building a let's say let's call it an index right if you're building an index of a few different statistics what would make your perfect kbi your perfect index so a combination of maybe xg shots on target percentage of shots you know on target or whatever it is you know so I like to I like to look at ex, the expected goals um, for sure as, as as the number one thing. But I think something something really to keep in mind is that the top players in the world all outperform their expected goals. And think you've got to think of expected goals 
almost as, as a metric for the average player and and factor in the uh, guy like uh, Son, you know, when you talk about other leagues, Messi, these guys will consistently, consistently outperform that. Um, and so w when you look at those stats, go through the expected, uh, expected uh, goal involvement stats first, identify those guys that are up there. The guys that are underperforming the, the expected stats, you don't really want them in your team. Those are the guys that are, are, are getting great chances and aren't finishing them. Um, and when guys are doing that, they're not gonna, you're not going to get those, they're not going to be converted into, into FPL points. Um, and then on the flip side, look at the guys that are outperforming the, the expected stats. Um, those are the guys that are slotting away every single chance that, and, and possibly comes into sort of a form rating as well. The guys that are on form, you know, Lingard last season was outperforming his expected stats massively. Yeah, he was, yeah. He, he was just on fire. He, he's one that springs to mind, and then it was Inacho as well that springs to mind. Now, what I wanted to ask you about this, and, and it raises an interesting question for me. How do you determine, okay, let's say you pick a, a sample of three, four games, and then you see that a player like Lingard or Inacho is massively outperforming their XG. What what gives you that? How do you how do you differentiate between a person who's just going through the the like the most purple of purple patches versus, you know, determine deciding okay this is the guy I need to get him in right now. <laughs> it's it's always it's always the toughest thing I think when it comes to FPL. But I think I think step number one, which which, which should filter out a lot of the noise, is start with the teams before you look at the players. And once, like I said before, once you've identified which teams you want players from, um, then you can start to, to, to filter the players. And you know, if we look at a guy like Lingard and, and Greenwood as well last season when, when he was you know, firing on all cylinders, you can, you can identify that, that West Ham and, and Man Manchester United are great teams to have players from. Um, and then once, once you know that, you know, then it's easier to, to say, okay, well, let's now look at Lingard and look at, uh, at Greenwood and they're, they're outperforming their XG. I think the second thing is, are they nailed on? And if they're nailed on for, for the period that you want them in your team, then choose the guys that are outperforming because these guys that are on fire, it's, it's, it's you know, as a statistician, you, you, you probably want to, want to go the route of reversion to the mean and like if they're outperforming, these guys are going to, everything has to revert back to, to, to the mean and the, the means they're going to underperform the, the game weeks to come and etc etc when you look at when you look at stats but the truth is when when these guys are in form and they're, and they're finishing and they're confident and you know things are going their way that's when you want them in your team so yeah Lingard was a great example last season if, if you didn't jump on the Lingard bandwagon uh, I think you were just left left in Lingard dust and, uh, yeah, and yeah. definitely losing massive points. Uh, yeah. So you, I think it's, it's, it, it does become difficult when these random players have one or two very good weeks and everyone's sort of jumping on them. Uh, just go through the steps. Is it a good team? Is the player nailed on? Um, is, is he nailed on for the next, at least for a period that I want him in my side? Because, you know, a guy, a guy can perform really well um, while someone's injured, but when that player comes back and then they're no longer playing, that's going to be a huge hole in the team. Um, and then, yeah, once once you've got through those first two steps, then you can say, cool, that, that's a guy that I really think, uh, you know, that, that's a bandwagon that I want to jump on.
Yeah, the, uh, you know, that, that's an interesting one because I think I was late to the Iheanacho party last season as well, you know, and, you know, like, you know, you spoke about reversion to the mean, you know, you know, average players can be mean, you know, so, <laughs> and, you know, when you, when, when you look at that and, you know, obviously there's that second guessing and, you know, then, and then you start looking at a possible fixture swing or whatever. And, you know, all of these things start to, to cloud your judgment and you think, no, but I've never seen this player playing this well before. So what makes me think that they're going to continue with this, uh, with this run of form? So, yeah, it's always an interesting one. And, uh, yeah, but I, I suppose you make a good point over there that you have to look at the team as well, because, I mean, you know, we, we had the Pookie bandwagon, uh, uh, like two seasons ago and people are still thinking about that and a lot of people are, are putting Team Upuki in their team just because of that, you know, and yeah. when I look at it, I've just never been convinced from, from the beginning, whereas for some reason, I watched Ivan Tony a little bit, you know, in the championship playoffs or whatever towards the ending of last season and I was so impressed that without even looking much at the data, I figured just as a talisman at 6.5, it's a low-risk option. And he was like literally nailed in my team mentally even before the game started, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying it'll be a good pick. I'm saying that, you know, you're, if you want to call it your seventh attacker, you know, in your team, you know, generally it's, it's one of those low, you know, those type of options. And I decided that it will be him essentially, you know, but... Um, it's it, it, it's sometimes one of those where you you just you you sometimes you have to just put aside also what you see in the statistics and just go with your gut feel I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly that. Yeah. I, you, I I think it's so like these bandwagons are very difficult because you, you can like I think when Mares when Leicester won won the Premier League, Mares was was the amazing bandwagon pick that's. Um, you know that, that some guys had luckily had put in there. I got him in in game teams. week two. Yeah. I don't and know why I, but I put him in, and the the rest, you know, of the season was just so amazing. You know. I mean, that's just yeah. such an outlier season. Yeah. Like yeah. You said, yeah. Like, like the team left. It, it was it was never a terrible side. They were a good side, and you could almost immediately get this feeling that there was there was something special about the team, and. Yeah, again, it came down to price, it came down to nailed-on player, it came down to he, he looked quality player, and, and once you start ticking all the boxes, then then you've got to go for it, and you, and you, you will get left behind if you, if you miss out. Um, and, but I would say avoid, you know, you've got to be careful with the, with the, with the guys that are in sort of the, the lower end of the spectrum in, in the attacking teams, um, who are going to come up against tough opponents who, who and I, but I still think the biggest biggest aspect of all of it is is the player nailed on because the majority of the bandwagons that I've fallen for that have been that sort of cost me points in the past have been the guys that are have come in performed amazingly while someone else is injured and you sort of expect you, you're not sure when the, the other player is coming back and two to three game weeks they're back and then you, you're just left with this guy on your, on, on your bench who's not going to score you any points and you've got to use another transfer to get rid of um, and, and that that for me is the number one deciding factor when it comes to bandwagon it's just just pick a player who you know is nailed on yeah it, it, it definitely and and I think maybe that's also the playing a part in my thinking of picking my game week one team is that I know that okay 
you know the the likelihood that Riyad Mahrez starts the season is quite high because especially during the now with no European fixtures in in between as well, you know rotation maybe is slightly less. Although well with City you could never trust Pep, but at the same time you know if I remember last season I think he Mahrez also started like I think something like eleven out of the first fourteen fixtures and he's played all of the preseason games and he ended off strongly last season so I think you know I think you mentioned it you know when we were having our chats offline that sometimes you just got to take a calculated. Uh, uh, a calculated risk not necessarily even a gambler a calculated risk and someone like Marquez is worth it now in terms of, of that over there do you think Son and, and I mentioned Son specifically because when I look at the you know I, I always say that FPL is a game of, of, of combinations you know you, you can never look at it in terms of in isolation of one player because if you if you remove somebody like like uh, Bruno Fernandes, then that means you and and you and you and you downgrade. Then you have more money for another position. But then the question you have to ask yourself is: Okay, does the combination of say someone like Fernandes and Jota, who's worth combined value of nineteen point five million, do you think that they will outscore, uh, let's say Sancho? And and Son, who are also worth a combined value of nineteen point five million, or a a Son and Mahrez, who are also nineteen million. It's about looking at the combinations. Decide, okay, which one do you think is going to be the the, the highest? Now, based on that over there, do you think somebody like Son is worth, even though the fixtures are a bit difficult to 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 put in your team and and say, okay, let's see how he does, and and is he worth? He, he, will he fall into the category of calculated risk as well? Yeah, so I mean, specifically talking about Mahrez, for instance, I, I think I think Mahrez is a reasonably safe bet. Uh, there's always going to be pep roulette. Um, there's always going to be a chance that he doesn't play. But I think for at least the first four to five weeks, I think you I think you've got a pretty high chance that he'll start those games. Um, I think from game week five onwards, it starts to become tricky. Um, so I think if you've got a guy like him in your side, I think you, it's, it's a short-term a short-term plan. And then you can sort of wait and see and, and, and maybe make a decision on him a little bit later. Um, but for me, I think it's very difficult to fit uh, Trent, Salah, Bruno, Anson and Mares all in the same team. So I think if, if, you, if you're not going Bruno, I think sort of a son Mares combination does make a lot of sense. Um, Son's going to be nailed on. He, he's constantly outperforming his, his expected data. He's a quality finisher. Um, if Kane's not around, he'll be playing up front. He'll be taking penalties. Um, I, I think there's no downside to Son. I think, you know, he's the kind of guy you're never going to have to be making a, a knee-jerk reaction to, to get out of your team. And I think a lot of people made that mistake last season where he, he bricked early on and then they took him out and he, and he just exploded. Um, so I think he's a guy that you've got to put in and give a, give a real chance of you know, six, six plus weeks uh, in your team. Um, and I think him, him and Mares as a combination, I think is a very good one because I think for the most part, you, you're looking at nailed on players that are playing for some of the best attacking teams in, in the league. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's possible to to fit Salah, Bruno, 
Son, Mares, Trent, all in the same team. Um, yeah, I know. Exactly. And that's where it does come in. I think, like you said, you've, you've got to be start picking these combinations of players. Yeah. And Fernandes and who else is the combination that's, that's going to compete with them? I'm not sure. I think possibly Rafinha, but you know, Rafinha's fixtures, Leeds' fixtures to start off with aren't great. So, you know, I'd be looking to get him in from game week six onwards. Yeah, I, I've got Rafinha in my draft at the moment, and it, it's the and and I've probably had him since the game opened for the season. And the reason being is his underlying numbers are so good that I felt like, you know, at six point five million, he seems to be the type of player who. You know, fixtures don't bother him. You know, he can bang at any time, you know. And I figured, okay, there's Manchester United at the beginning. Okay, not so great. Everton, I actually think that's a decent fixture for him. Then there's Burnley. You know, we we don't know what to make of them because it depends which version of them pitch up. And then Liverpool in game week four. But I'm actually looking and thinking, okay... For two of those four fixtures, Everton and Burnley, I'm actually not too concerned about riding through with somebody like Rafinha, especially since he's so cheap. Yeah, I, I, look, I think I think United is the is definitely their the poor fixture in that run. I think Everton, Burnley, Liverpool, Newcastle are all average fixtures attacking wise, uh, and West Ham at home is, is probably a good attacking fixture. Um, and I think you know something that I have to tell myself every season is that there's an element of sort of fixture proof uh, when it comes to attackers. You know, really quality attack attackers are fixture proof and worry less about the fixtures and more about the quality of the player is often a good sort of mantra to have when it comes to, to attackers. And I think Rafinha's, I think he's a good option. I, do, I think he's a quality player. Um, personally, I, I've just, I've tried to balance my team a little bit differently and, and because of that Rafinha is not in my team early on just because I think there are some other guys that I've, that, that I've looked to put in. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them probably being, I, I think Rafinha could honestly replace Mahrez sort of around around the period that I think Mahrez reaches his, his expiry date when it comes to, to Pep Roulette. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take more of a calculated risk uh, on, on Mahrez and and actually have Rafinha probably to replace him later on. Ah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, because uh, like I said again, you know, I see Rafinha in a lot of drafts purely because he's uh, he's so cheap, mm. and he's almost acting like as an enabler of, of some sorts. You know, when when you when because of his price point, yeah. but but yeah. Uh, like I said, I've had him f- f- since game week one merely because of the fact that I, you know, you know, going in with the the two premium midfielders plus Alexander Arnold kind of tied up so much of my budget, and because there's so many good forwards, you know, around the seven point five eight million bracket, that's kind of also kind of maybe f- pushed me into focusing on that end of the field rather than you know uh, at the yeah, in the midfield itself. I think if you've got Salah and, and Bruno, I think Rafinha is almost a, is almost a must. I don't think that there there are many squads that can be sort of balanced squads that can be put together. Yeah, play that's right. Yeah. Having, if if you've got Salah, um, Bruno, you're going to need Rafinha and Tony as as guys to to, to give your your squad some sort of depth. Um, 
personally, I, you know, like I said, I've gone, I've gone the Mares routes, and I'm looking to to go Mares to Rafinha, so that I've got those free funds to to possibly bring Lukaku in. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's it's given me sort of a a, a route to to um, those extra funds I might need for for a player down the line, which could be Lukaku, it could be someone else who who maybe shines one of the other premiums. Um, it's it's giving it gives me options down the line, and that's and that's more the reason I've gone the route I have just 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 the freedom to to, to take a lot of different routes after the sort of game week three. Yeah, that's a, you know that that's quite an, an an interesting route that you're going with over there because the one thing I've noticed about this season specifically is that because there's so many good defensive options, I'm seeing quite a lot of. Uh, defensive heavy uh, drafts um and and i'm not sure if you've noticed i'm not sure if you've noticed that yourself and uh, and i and when i look at those teams specifically i don't even see anything wrong with them because there are actually some you know especially like if you look at this trent alexander arnold there's robertson shaw and like we spoke about Luca Dean earlier as well, and uh, there there was a likes of Sufa who was in many different drafts. So I've seen people like put in, uh, uh, you know, going with a four a four a four defensive uh, a four a four defenders formation so that they can enable themselves into either going with like Salah, Fernandez, and Mahrez, and then drop off. A, a, a drop of a forward and go with a four four two and so on. Was that something that you ever considered when doing your drafts? Uh, because it's something that, to be honest with, especially starting the season, I'm not a fan of going with that many defenders in my team. Yeah, I, I'd say the, probably the only time that that you would want more than three defenders would probably be the start of the season, because that's when you're. When your budget is at the, its most constrained, when your your team value is only 100 million, you haven't had any chance to to grow your team value. Um, it, it is if if any if there was any a time to to pick four defenders, I think the start of the season could be it. And like you said, there are so many options. You know, you've got all the Chelsea boys as well. You've got um, you know the West Ham guys that you mentioned, Sufal. Um, there's some Arsenal defenders that are also going around uh, pretty pretty cheaply. Um, there are a lot of really good options. Um, so if you if you are struggling budget-wise, picking that fourth defender could be the way to go. And uh, a lot of my early drafts, when when Lamptey, before Lamptey got injured, included Lamptey as my as my fourth defender, um, just because it was just such good value at, at 4.5 million. Um, so it's definitely a route to go. I, I've, I've switched back to three defenders. Um, and, and that's the way that, that I'll probably most likely set up uh, going into game week one. Um, but it, again, it, it depends on the makeup of your team. If, if you've got a lot of funds with Salah, Bruno, uh, you know, with these big hitters, you might you might be forced into into making the, the best sort of value pick for your your side. Might be the fourth defender over anyone else because they're just so much cheaper than your than your. 6.5 million starting point for for any of the midfielders and forwards and then uh, there's now simica said 4 million who acts as an enabler as well so exactly. uh, that that could be an an interesting one if if you're willing to go with maybe a bench for the option of 
of a non-playing four million defender and see essentially having two four million defenders in your team and and freeing up another 0.5 for another attacking option that could be one route to go as well if if you really really want to go with a with a four with a four four two you know but like i said you know i think look I, i've toyed with the idea as well because like i said when when i saw those drafts like even though it goes against what I what I would generally do in the beginning of the season, because I like to have the three four three or the three five two, and players in specific price points, so it's easy to move between players. But I think, you know, uh, those four the the those four defender systems aren't actually that bad, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth worth a look for you know for anybody who is interested in doing it, you know, because they. You know, there, there's so many options over there, you know, and uh, so so so, yeah, look, um, with uh, with a few more days to go, I wonder how I'm not sure how much more tinkering I'll do now. I think I'm I'm fairly settled on what my 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 team will be going into Friday's deadline. I can't see myself tinkering or making too many changes now because I think. You know, I've I've made so many change. You know, I, I have tinkered with my team over the last week or so, but every time I I do that, I go back. I eventually settle onto a team that, you know, I, I, that that I've done like two weeks ago, where it it consists of Salah and Bruno. You know, like I, I've toyed with the idea of going without Bruno at the beginning of the season, and I just don't feel. Com- it's like I think the the main reason is that I want to go with the nailed on Manchester United attacker. Because they have such good fixtures, and I think that what that's what keeps on leading me back to Bruno is because of the rotation risk of the rest of the United attackers, and the fact that yes, okay, I could go with Mahrez and Son, but it it's really the Manchester United fixtures that I'm targeting over here, you know. Yeah. So and and that's what keeps on lead, leading me back to it, and I think I. If if I veer away from from from, from Bruno the Salah Bruno combination. And they and they ended up hauling in game week one. I would be really furious. I would flip out, you know. So, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, I, I decided not to overthink it and and go with my my instinct over here. Look, it is the boring pick. It is the safe one. But I think I, I, I'm I'm fairly confident or happy with with going with those two at the beginning, you know. And uh, yeah. and and as we've spoken about, you know, it's easy to move from those players and go to to other options. Yeah, I, th- I think safe is the way to go to start the season. And um, I think one of the best resources at the moment out there is uh, is a website called Playmaker, where you can actually um, go through, uh, you can load up your team and, and then actually go through the first five to six game weeks. And, and it shows you your, your squad again, and you basically can pick your team for each week going forward. Um, and, and it's really, really useful. Once, once you've come up with your, with your draft, Put your draft in and then start clicking through the game weeks and start looking um, at, at how your team's going to line up because it's very difficult to actually visualize how your team's going to change as the, as the fixtures change as, as the weeks go forward and and if you can settle on a draft where you can flick through four or four, you know three or four or five game weeks um, and not really have a transfer or, or maybe maybe you've got one or two transfers in mind but you know, if your team can survive those those first five game weeks, then I think you, you're starting to settle on the right on the right sort of maker, because you know, like we said, a lot's going to happen. 
And uh, if you've got one or two risky players, that's another thing that you need to keep in mind. You, you want to be, you want to have those transfers available to, you know, if anything does go wrong with those players, or you know, if, if they're not as nailed on as you thought. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, Playmaker is a website. It's a very, very useful tool. Good stuff. And you know, uh, the the one thing that uh, you know that uh, we, we should discuss as well, especially going into the first few game weeks of the season when price changes are very volatile. Uh, you know, we, 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 we were discussing it a little bit as well. We So, you know, sometimes, especially at the beginning of the season, to ensure that you don't get priced out of specific players or whatever, is, you know, to to take, uh, you know, you know, to just move out a player if he's about to suffer, a, a, you know, a price drop and so on. So, um, you know, is it a case where you're saying, okay, you know what, you can see that a player... You know, when do you decide that people are just knee-jerking and, uh, and, and, and that even if you have a player in your team who's going to take a, t- t- take a drop soon, you know, decide to ride through and keep him instead? You know, is there any, is there any situations where you decide, okay, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this player for now, even if it means sacrificing a point one. I think if the player is a premium player, I, I, I wouldn't even worry about it. A guy like Salah, if Salah's going down in value, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stress. Um, but I, the one thing to keep in mind is that the game, I think five or six years ago, was a lot more sensitive to, pli- to price rises. And because of that, early on, your team could gain a lot of value, which was very useful later on in the, se- in, in the FPL season. Whereas the the price rises are a lot more uh, muted now um, so i think there's more focus for me anyway on avoiding the, the fringe players dropping in price um, if you you know i think you want to protect your team value as much as you can and if there is a fringe player that you're not too set on that's going to drop in price i would say try and get him out before that drop um, every every point one that your team value drops is way more valuable than anything that you gain up, up, like, up to even 0.5 um, just because of how you know when, when because of how all the players are priced in, in increments of 0.5 if you lose uh, 0.1 you're actually effectively losing 0.5, 0.5 yeah um, yeah so exactly. i would say early on in the season do as much as you can to protect your team value but i wouldn't be chasing team value i don't think that that's a that's a game that ends well for you. yeah yeah fair enough fair enough and i suppose that's one of the reasons why i went for players like tony and rafina as well because i feel at 6.5 you could also see them quickly increasing in price if things go well so exactly. yeah ah, man i think that was quite the comprehensive guide to building game week one team over here that you know this was some really really great info and you know uh, that's what this podcast is going to be about it's about delving into the data side of things you know you know we could do team reveals or whatever it is but really that doesn't really matter it's you know fpl is 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 a numbers game and that's what we want to bring to everyone you know so before we we close off over here since we're 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 both uh, liverpool fans what, what what's you know how are you feeling about the upcoming uh, um, Premier League season or just the the season in general? You know, do you think we 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 ready for this? Or do we need a few additions or? Yeah, I, th- I think I mean to be honest, I think Liverpool is in is in pretty good shape. I think the key is going to be to see how quickly uh, Virgil can get back to full fitness and and back at his best because he's he's 
the stalwarts of our entire team. And if and if he if he comes back relatively early on the season, you know, if he comes back fully fit and, and really starts performing and, and just is that rock for for the whole Liverpool team, then I think I think it's a big going to be a big uh, sort of uh, it's going to be a very close battle I think between City, Chelsea, and, and Liverpool. Um, and you, you can't really count United out either. I think uh, you, you know. <laughs> They've had a phenomenal, phenomenal season last season, and um, Scalcio has done an amazing job there, which which was a very, which I was incredibly surprised by, and uh, he's definitely seems to be the right guy for them. So I think it's going to be a closely fought season. I think um, I think Liverpool's fate will, will really depend on on how good their defence is, um, and it, you know with our squad, it, it always comes down to to squad depth. I think. We do struggle in that department, so I think you know. Hopefully, injuries don't play a part. If, if we've got our fully fully fit uh, starting eleven every week, I think we can definitely uh, definitely take uh, give give City a run for their money. But uh, you know, the, the the logical side of me says that I think uh, City should should close out the season. I think uh, I think City, uh, I think Liverpool and Chelsea and, and United will possibly be, be battling for the for the rest of the Champions League places. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that over there. Like when, you know, obviously, you know, I see crying supporters every day, you know, asking for new signings because they see the the business that City and United and Chelsea are doing. But when I look at the team, actually, you know, I see the makings of, you know, very, very good Liverpool team. They've got most bases covered. Yeah, I think... Look, especially when you when you're relying on players coming back from long-term injuries, it's it's never you know you don't you know you don't want to be relying on a small squad then you know. But I, I look at it and I think you know what you you've got players like Nat Phillips now who's you know who, who's looking you know who's who's become a good option. He's got more experience that will you know play, the back end of last season would have really give, given him quite a boost. And then you've got, uh, you know, Costas Timikas now, who's who's going to be most likely play, and he's got a full preseason behind him. Oxlade Chamberlain, Naby Keita. So there's a lot of there's a lot of signs and to, to be optimi- optimist, be uh, you know optimistic about, especially yeah. when you look at somebody like Harvey Elliott. I still would like another forward and another midfielder maybe in there. But overall, I, I'm not too downbeat about the team. I think, uh, you know, there's, there, like you said, you know, if we can keep like a core of, you know, 13, 14 players who, who can play 90% of games throughout the season, I think we'll be okay. But it's, it's just my worry is around the January, February period where we've tend to suffer in the past as well, where we've stumbled, stumbled a little bit. But I think uh, the, yeah. the, key, the key for Liverpool... Um, and it's interesting looking at, I think stats-wise, um, it'll show it as well, is Fabinho playing in the midfield makes a massive difference, um, even specifically to Mo Salah's performance. I remember last year during the FPL thinking that if Fabinho is playing midfield, I'm going to captain Salah, and if Fabinho is not in the midfield, then I'm not. Um, that, that's how big his his midfield role is for Liverpool. So yeah, definitely. I, th- definitely. I think if he has a full season in, in the midfield and isn't forced to, to fill in at the back, then, then that'll definitely make a huge difference to to where we finish. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, the other part is you know Thiago and 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 Jota. If we can have them fully fit for 
more than we had them for the last season. Then, you know, all of a sudden the squad just looks so much bigger. And, uh, you know, with having, you know, uh, other players settle in as well. You know, I I definitely think that, you know, there's reasons to, to really look forward to, to the season. So, yeah, le- le- let's see how things go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait. This is like my favorite week of, of, of the year. You know, it's like it's... I, I feel like a kid, a kid on Christmas. <laughs> it's the week leading up to Christmas. We can watch soccer on the weekend. Again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> no, man, awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing your insights to the show. And yeah, that's a wrap for the first episode of the podcast. Cheers, man.